Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Today's episode was recorded before the SAG-AFTRA strike began on July 14th. Table for Two thanks you, as always, for tuning in and supporting entertainers. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Table for Two. This episode, we're back at the Tower Bar in Los Angeles for another delightful lunch. Oh, you're back, Liv. Oh, my God. Here she is. Thank you for joining me today at the table. so fun. Today's guest is an Emmy-winning actress, writer, and producer who's so stylish in her jeans, striped shirt, and diamond necklace that she gets an A-plus on the Bosnian scale. Her going into dressed up, dressed down mode is all the more impressive because she recently added mom to her long list of accomplishments. Uh, I'm going to have a Caesar salad and steak frites, please, medium and with some hot sauce on the side. You know her from The Office, which she wrote for and starred in. And more recently, she created shows like Never Have I Ever and The Sex Lives of College Girls. That salad looks great. I've never uttered that sentence before, (laughs) but that salad looks great. I'm so excited to have a meal today with the marvelous Mindy Kaling. So pull up a chair, pour a glass of rosé, and enjoy the show. I'm Bruce Bozzi, and this is my podcast, Table for Two. You know, um, my very good friend Andy Cohen is also a single parent. I began the process of being a father uh, with the idea of it being a single parent, and it's really a very serious decision and a very brave decision, Mindy, that you made. How did that feel for you when you held your baby for the first time? You said, okay, this dream has come true. I think my kids are such a huge part of my life, and I knew growing up, I was always obsessed with romance and romantic love and obsessing about boys, even when I was like 13, 14 years old. And I was like, never someone that boys like wanted to date or do anything. So it sort of made the passion and the interest more intense, if that makes sense. Like, so I was very boy crazy with zero success. And so I had this pent up interest and I always, you know, in a lot of 
projects I write and work on are about women who are obsessed with marriage. Right. Both because I relate to it, and I also think it's really funny. Right. Um, and it is. And that's why it is funny. <laughs> right, right. And all the, the pratfalls of making decisions to make somebody love you and how you change yourself and all that, that is just something that is so interesting to me yeah. and so relatable to me. And there is also a desperation to it mm-hmm. that is you know, makes you incredibly unhappy in my 20s, wanting to find someone, anyone to settle down with. And I think, I mean, that's why I think the show Sex and the City was so groundbreaking, in addition to being so funny and so fashionable. And Completely. Darren and Michael Patrick King are so great, but it tapped into this thing of, like, you don't have to be desperate and sad. Yes. And um, that came out when I was, I think, from the ages of 19 to 23. Yep. So it came out at, a, like, a great time. But I didn't have like money or access to that lifestyle Mm -hmm. so you know I was still sort of a desperate desperate person who wanted to be in a relationship but I I feel blessed because I was also if my equal to my desire to find a man I wanted to have children and that intensified when my mother died because for me it was like I don't want to be on my deathbed hopefully in my like comfortable hospital room or even right. better in my own home and right. not have anybody around my bed. Right. I want there to be kids right. and I want there to be grandkids. Right. And that to me was way more important than these other sort of shallow things of like, I want my six bedroom house in the Palisades right. and my kids right. going to this school with my husband who's a surgeon or right. the head of a studio. That was all important to me. But the thing that was the most important to me was this relationship with my phantom children that I didn't have. Right. You know, and um, that when I got older, that, you know, they wouldn't, like, weird, like, I, I pictured I'd be, like, living in New York City, and they'd come visit me, and we'd, like, walk to go see plays together, right. and then go to the polo lunch for dinner, and I would, you right. know what I mean? They'd yeah. just be hang out with me when I'm in my 60s and 70s. Right. Also, there became a thing when, in all my 20s, I was, I would date guys for, like, two, three years, and then break up, and then I was on The Office, which was beyond a full-time job as right. a producer and a writer yes. and a director on that show. And I loved my work. But I stopped when I would be single in these little windows between boyfriends. I started in my 30s to really despise going to parties out here. And what I wanted to start doing, and I don't know if you felt this at all, is I started being like, I really like this vibe of going to friends' houses and they have kids. It's it feels like it was, on one level, I wanted to have children. On another level, I wanted my social life to change. I wanted it to look different. Like, I didn't need to be going to some house in the hills and, like, outpost or the birds where there, you know, there's no parking and you're walking to a party and yeah. it was just a bunch of dudes my age who were interested in women. Very insightful of you. I don't know. But I think very insightful for you. And a lot of people don't sometimes have... Uh, the fortune to sort of take a step back and look at it like that to sort of say okay so therefore I'm going to change how I live my life approach my life it's like staying at the party too long staying in the game too long and you say okay and then you look back and you're like wow that was exactly it I didn't want to stay at the party too long yeah it was the literal party I was like I can't stay at these kinds of parties anymore right One of the things I always say about what has created a lot of empathy and sympathy in me is growing up feeling different. When you talk about sort of feeling different, you know, and I believe that becomes a power of ours because in it becomes this heightened sense of empathy, sympathy, kindness. FYI, the thing I have to just say is, you know, when I was telling Ava today at breakfast, 
who I was having lunch with. She's like, well, does she know how much I love The Office? Does she know? I'm like, <laughs> she knows. That's like, so she nice. She knows. Like, she, I love that. Huge fan. Do you think, you know, how did that, how did those years growing up kind of mold Mindy into becoming Time Magazine has named you one of the most 100 influential people. Like, that's a big <laughs> deal, madame. Can Thank you. Can you kind of... Yeah, I think you nailed it, Bruce, which is like being an outsider is key, Yeah. you know? And for me, I was an outsider in so many different ways, or I always had this chip on my shoulder growing up, you know, being this like dark-skinned Indian girl, sort of not traditionally attractive, like kind of friendly, overweight kid that was never the, uh, dating or anything like that, like... I really felt like an outsider. And I think one of the benefits of being the child of immigrants was like I really had to code switch a lot. Like when I was growing up, my mom, who was a busy doctor. Code switch. Code switch. Can you define? I mean, I use it and now I'm like, do I even know a definition? I would, and I'm probably using it wrong, so please correct me. But the way that I spoke to my parents, who were Indian immigrants, uh, pretty traditional, and my grandparents and my Indian family was very different than the way that I talked to my teachers and my friends at school. And I had to learn how to do that. And it was a challenge, but it was also like incredibly valuable skill to learn as someone who wants to be a writer or a performer is like, okay, I have to act this way around this person and this, this way around these people. And I somehow have to make it in both. Right. And by the way, I would see cousins and Indian children of, of friends of the family who just weren't able to do it as much. And I remember being like, I really want to succeed at both. I want my teachers to love me and to be well-liked at school, even if nobody wants to date me. And I want my parents to think I'm a good kid. And I didn't always succeed, but because I had to learn that kind of sophisticated tool mm-hmm. early on, yeah. I think that was really helpful as a writer. And I think as someone who could, someone who had an ability to like make friends. Yeah. And so it was a real, really felt like an outsider all the time. And it helped me. Like when you're a comedy writer, so much of your life is observing things and noticing that things are like in the office, like just noticing things that are ironic and strange and then heightening it for a TV show. And so I was doing that constantly. Right. It's amazing because I do think the skill set developed to be able to... Oh, Christian Lubitin is standing behind Madame Mindy Kaling. Oh Hi, Christian. Hi. Oh, my God, this is so Bonjour. glamorous. Oh, hi. How I haven't seen you in too long. Hi, hi. I'm Bruce. Hi. hi. How's it going? I mean, the king is here. The king. No, this is we're so doing a, uh, glamorous. We're doing a lunch. A little, a lunch. <laughs> it's been way too long, Christian. I know. It's crazy. Can't believe you're friends with Christian Louboutin. I've, by the way, been mispronouncing his name. Can you say it again? Christian Louboutin. Okay, that <laughs> makes me feel bad. And aren't you so happy that I didn't ask for free shoes in front of you? I say that's a missed opportunity. God damn it. Okay, I'm going to go over there. Yeah, he's right Excuse across me. the room. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. I met you two minutes ago. Wait, you know what? What's your size? I'm not saying my shoes. Oh, well, I could send need them over there. My foot fetishists. <laughs> I have that's enough true. of, enough we'll of them. That. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. 
and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back to Table for Two. Recently, Mindy has been involved in the Roybal film and television production magazine. Spearheaded by George Clooney, Grant Heslaw, my partner, Brian Lord, and many others, the Roybal School exists to create opportunities in the entertainment world for students from underrepresented communities. I wanted to know what drew Mindy to the school. So let's talk a little bit about the Roybal School. You know, so George Clooney and Amal and Mindy and Brian. Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. And- a lot of heads a of lot studios. Of really heads of so they got together and realized that there was something lacking here in Los Angeles. And Mindy, well, Brian, it's, it's, Brian and Grant it's and George. Grant Heslop. It's your it's your story to tell, but it's really important. Well, first of all, thank you for characterizing it like that. I'll really say it was a phone call from Brian where he said, Hey, I wanted to talk to you about something. It's actually about education. And I said, Oh, that's interesting, you know, from Brian to hear that. And I know that Brian is so philanthropically minded, but I hadn't, you know, I'd only known him as like an agent. And so it's great. And he's like, can you do a Zoom with George and Grant? And and they'll be, they'll probably be in like late coma or something. I was like, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So I, is there a PJ involved? A little private jet? Like, I know, exactly. am I going someplace? And so I get on a Zoom with them and 
you are dear friends with with George. And he is, I don't, I didn't, I think I'd met him like once at like an award show, but I didn't know him. But what I, I had known, of course, because there's like George Clooney that we all hear about where he is, wants to help in Haiti and Syria. And, you know, he's all in the Sudan, like he's that guy. But when I saw this idea, it felt, um, it was so brilliant. And I can't believe it hadn't been done yet, which is like, we are in Hollywood, we have, um, we hire crews on shows and they are historically pretty traditional looking. And it's usually like, if you look at a crew on most shows, it's, it's predominantly white and that's that and predominantly men, right? and predominantly men. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, with some exceptions. And I think that for someone like me, where my entire career is built on this idea that we're trying to showcase voices that don't get seen, it's disappointing when you spend a lot of time with your writers and your actors feeling that I'm making it diverse, but you're, the crew hasn't sort of caught up. And there's all these underserved voices who really want to break into the business and don't know how. And so George was explaining this. I was like nodding and, and Grant and Brian were explaining this. And they had this idea of what if we did a public high school in LA that trained kids to have these jobs like, why can't a kid who's going to uh, high school in L.A. go on to become an extremely well-paid, union-protected hairstylist grip, someone who works in special effects, you know, so a script coordinator. And I thought it was such a brilliant idea. And honestly, I come at these kinds of things, anything I think of in sort of like altruistically or philanthropically, I always think of like, will it work business-wise? Like, is this going to actually work as a businesswoman? Mm-hmm. And um, Hollywood is not a nonprofit. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. And so I want something that actually is going to work and will actually make my job easier to produce shows, not just a charity. And that's what I really responded to is a really, really good business idea. A school that would, every year when people graduate, I, Mindy Kaling, can go to the school and say, wonderful, there's um, someone to work in the production design office, someone to help, uh, you know, a costume designer, if not a costume designer themselves, and hair, makeup. And I was like, this will be amazing. Because we get scrutinized, and yeah. we should be scrutinized mm-hmm. about our crews and yeah. how they look. And and so he explained this to me. It seemed brilliant. And I love being a part of it. And I will say, of the many things I work on, it's the one thing where literally Brian or George tell me to show up someplace, and I will just show up. Yeah. I'm, they are the brains behind the operation. If I can come and meet the secretary of education or, you know, talk to the superintendent and tell them why I would hire people from them. That's what I do. But like, they're doing the lion's share of the work and I'm showing up. Another thing that happens with these kids is when, you know, they are fully embraced and they graduate and they, they, they are placed. They are, they are, they, they are in a world that they would never be able to be a part of. And one of the things, one of the things that you do is, you know, you paved a way so epically without those lines in play so for them to see you and to when when you go to the class on a given Wednesday afternoon and there's no cameras and there's no stuff and you're saying you're telling your story it's monumental I mean that is so nice you know people talk about representation so much yeah. and sort of like if you can't see it you can't be it and yeah. so if I can be part of that or show people that you can do that, then that's amazing. I mean, what's been so nice is I have a, an incredible costume designer named Salvador Perez, mm-hmm. who is uh, Latino and he's gay and he got an Emmy nomination for one of my shows. 
and he started working with Roybal, and I think that's really meaningful. He's born and raised in L.A. Yes. You know, yeah. like, he is Mexican-American, mm-hmm. and he has gotten to the highest level of costume design, and it hasn't been easy for him. Right. And he is so groundbreaking, and to be able to be the person that connects him to the school so people can see that, and be like, he has a great life. Like, he makes good money. Yeah. He's around interesting, fun people all day. It's amazing. You know, my drawings that I do and the sewing that I do, they don't just have to be like little doodles that I do before I go do whatever job I'm supposed to do. Sure. You know? And so I think that's exciting. I think it'll be really great when, yeah, it, it'll be... You know, when these just, classes start to graduate. Yes. I mean, I really want to stress, however, that, that is com- this project is completely... The brilliant George Clooney yes, product, okay. and but it is George support, and Grant and right. Brian, yes. and I feel lucky to just be part of it. Come and speak about why it's important to me, but it is truly, it is truly them, and I feel like blessed to be part of it. And but I hear yes. you. Okay. I hear you, Mindy, and I also I'm like, think, don't worry, George, right, no, no. George and Grant are going to listen to this and, and be like, "Hey, what Brian, the fuck?" Okay, they they might have been the engine that like. Don Cheadle's going to be like, I show up more Don's than you. Don's like, wait, what the you hell? You know, Don Cheadle really um, holds grudges. I can't well, have Don Cheadle mad at me. When the industry sort of like kind of exploded, you know, with the idea of, hey, there's not proper representation, women are not being properly respected, um, you stood in the front of the line too. That's ballsy. I think it's a challenge when you're trying to start a company, have it work, be successful, Uh not this one-hit wonder where you're like in some magazine articles one year and then two years later people have moved on. Yeah. And also be a role model and someone who stands up for something. I am still learning like every day. Mm-hmm. It's like I look at people like Carrie Washington, Ava DuVernay, who are incredible. Nice. Maha, you know yeah. very well. And they're so politically engaged. And also, like, you know, Maha and Carrie have kids. And, right. and I'm literally look at them and I'm like, how do you do this? Yeah. Because it's, you know, the truth is, and, and I'm still learning this, is like, I got into the business when I was, you know, when I was dreaming of doing this, 17, 18, 19 years old. I wanted to do this so that I could, like, write comedy shows and be on Saturday Night Live and be super successful and famous and funny and have everyone want to be like me and be rich and famous and all those things. I didn't go into it being like, how do I change the status quo? <laughs> right. Like, I just yeah. wasn't that person. Right. And I'm not proud of it, but that's the truth, right? And yeah. And I think that evolving from someone who is like, if you're going to make it as a comedy writer or make it on TV, it's like you have to have this singular focus that is kind of exceeds your talent, right? It needs, it's more important than your talent and your belief in yourself. So then when you shift into this thing, when you're suddenly an employer, you're like, oh, like, I am not just this artist who wants to make it big anymore and make an artistic statement and be have everyone adore me like they would Steve Martin or David Letterman, right? Like, I have to be someone who stands for something because I don't look like Steve Martin and David Letterman. That is a challenge that I face every day. I'm imperfect at it. Uh, I am always fucking up. I want to, but now it's like I am held accountable by the people who work for me. I'm held accountable by my daughter and my son to a lesser degree. And so it's something that I'm really learning about. There are times... We, you know, I'm right now we're in the middle of a writer's strike. It's a very complicated issue, yep. a political issue, and and I pick it. And then we have, like, a South Asian picketing event. And 
you know, I'm like, okay, I got to go to that. I want to turn up for my people and show up and know that I care. It's like important for me to go because the past five years have been so transformative politically. It's like, there's, you can't hide behind anything. You just have to like, be like, what am I standing for? And you can't sort of make a private political decision anywhere. You have to be like, well, I'm someone who believes that women have been treated abhorrently, even if I've been sort of lucky. Not everyone has been, you know? And, and I think that takes a lot when you're just trying to stay afloat. It's funny that we talked about Sex and the City because yeah. I remember really well that show. It's a comedy show. It's in many ways really aspirational. It's feminist, but it's not overtly political, do you know, which is why I think it was so popular. And yet... At some point, Machu Patrick King, I don't know how much of the how much of the series you've seen. Everything. You've seen everything, right? And I've seen everything I'm a at least man. once, I've right? Seen it all. Okay, good. I didn't want to make generalizations right, and be like, right, how dare right, you? Right, right, I'm a gay man who has not seen Sex and the City, right. but seeing as you're very good friends with Sarah Jessica Parker. Yes. As you should be. <laughs> as am I. But she was not at the Met Gala this year, I don't think. Was she? I don't think she was, no. <laughs> I love that you're like so in tune. That I don't I'm think like, she was. I don't know why, but I don't know. Yeah. because uh, when she goes, it's like an event. She takes it seriously. Yeah. It's a responsibility. It's fashion. She's making a statement. So, She's yeah. one of those people where when I was, as a little tangent, when I was in the office and I, I loved fashion and would go and look at all the photos on like Getty Images or like Elle would be like, here are the best looks or right. Vogue would look at the best looks. I would, as this nerd, this nerdy comedy writer on the office who was like, I'll never get invited to that. Like whatever I would see in she, her look, yeah. you know, like she cares so much about the theme and like interpreting it to such an artist. Yes. And it seems like a lot of work. Yes. And I just respected that yeah. so much. And um, you're right. She's an artist. She's an artist. And like there was no like when she was going like reveal. Like yeah. very quiet. Like yes. this is what it is. Yeah. This she's is just the theme. And just her, um, some people go and it's about them mm-hmm. and it's about, I have arrived, I'm, exactly. you know, whatever. And she's like, I'm here in service to a designer, which yes. I think is really yes. amazing about her. Yes. Because uh, it's not always that way. No. You know, people sort of forget about the designers, like their moment to be fabulous exactly. in, a, in a kooky costume. Right. Um, but anyway, that was my tangent to, I remember really well thinking about in Sex and the City, which is not a political show, when they decided to do the episode that. Carrie had had an abortion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that, but that was a big deal. Yeah, big deal. Right? Mm-hmm. And really brave and thinking like, you know, I do shows that are all about women. I do a show right now, but it's literally called The Sex Lives of College Girls. Right. And if those right. girls yeah. aren't dealing with girls who are getting abortions, then, and um, it's nothing that anyone has pressured me to talk about or anything, but I'm like, if Carrie Bradshaw, who's the most beloved character on a worldwide hit, can say that she's had an abortion, like, what does that mean for shows I do, you know? And I think it's really cool that they did that. I agree. You know? I mean, that show, I think, addressed all those issues. They address issues of uh, women being sexual and enjoying sex. They address issues of, you know, having children, not having children. And, and you know, single-handedly, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and Carrie Bradshaw changed downtown New York and how people just present themselves in the world. All of a sudden, you know, women all across. It is kind of great. I'm making this a Sex and City fan podcast. I know, no, so am I. I love it. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. 
someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Thank you for joining us on Table for Two. You probably know Mindy as the wonderful and hilarious Kelly Kapoor on The Office, but you might not know that she also served as a writer, producer, and director. I'm curious to know more about her time behind the scenes. I have to ask for Ava. I mean, I just have to know, do you have a favorite episode? Do you have a favorite? Yeah, so I, I love talking about The Office, and I don't get to talk about it that much. Really? Yeah, I think... Um, I don't know. I, I don't really do podcasts. This is like one of the two podcasts <laughs> I've so ever done. Lucky. No, I truly don't. And I love talking about The Office. And yeah, I mean, I wrote something like 24 or 25 episodes of the show. Jeez. And one kind of episode that I always would write was, I, for some reason, I wrote a ton of the Christmas episodes. Okay. When I was growing up as like a TV addict. <laughs> yeah, what I, were your shows? Well, so I was not picky, so I watched everything, like whatever I could find. So I watched Musty TV in the 90s was huge for me, like mm-hmm. Seinfeld, mm-hmm. Friends, but I also watched 
like the, the shows that were like in between the hit shows on NBC, you know how they would kind of have like Wings or yes. The Single Guy or, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, right. or it'd be like the Brooke Shields show. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd watch everything. Right. And I Suddenly Susan. It. Suddenly Susan, right. yes, you know. Thank you. Which, um, her documentary, by the way, is amazing. Beyond. 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 She's incredible. Woman's a warrior, she's a survivor, everything. I yeah, love, I really... I and I was in love with her growing up. Yeah. Who, in a gay I mean, way. Yeah. I was in love with her in a gay way, too. <laughs> um, and who wouldn't be? And then she like went to Princeton, like she really right. was the... She, she was did there. everything. Yeah. Her husband seems normal, like, you know what I mean? Like, like she's sort of like, her daughters are cool, at least from the one scene in the documentary. Um, But I have nothing to promote, so I'm just here promoting documentaries and Sex and the City. Okay, so... No, but you you have what you're doing, what we're doing together, which I I think people that pull up a chair is, we're having lunch, we're having a conversation, and people don't do that anymore. So so I would recommend that documentary, which was amazing. And then did you see the Michael J. Fox documentary, Still? Still loved it. Loved it. And I just watched, almost done with the Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Mindy, it's great. Um, but The Office. So I loved the Christmas episodes. And here I am, like, I'm not Christian, I'm Hindu. I've always loved Christmas. Uh, it's so cinematic to me. Right. Exactly. And what I love about Christmas episodes in Mussy TV, like in the 90s and the 80s, is that there was something where when you did a Christmas episode, it could be a little bit more sentimental. Uh-huh. Something magical could kind of happen in the episode because everyone's like sort of in the Christmas spirit. And... That was true in The Office. Like, we would do these episodes um, uh, where Michael was often in a Santa costume. And we would, because we live in L.A., like, we'd shoot these in August when it's, like, 90 degrees out in the deep valley. And they would fill it with snow um, for these exterior shots. So I'd write these episodes where they always had to go outside because I wanted them to, like, fill it because the show takes place in Pennsylvania. (laughs) So they'd fill it with snow, and we'd just get to be in this sort of fake snowy Christmas like a paradise for the six to seven days that we shot the episode. And so I love those episodes because I was deeply homesick for the East Coast. Sure. And uh, and it just, it sort of was like a way for, to experience that and sort of have NBC, right. you know, pay for it. <laughs> right. pay and for so I, I love, and you could also be a little bit more, that show is really funny and not very sentimental. And I felt in those episodes we were allowed to be a little bit more romantic. Were you, are you surprised sort of like the new audience that keeps being birthed and appreciates this timeless from, you know, you're telling these stories, you're writing 24, 25 episodes. These are resonating with... I am surprised. Um, I am surprised because, not so much because I, I love the show and the writing staff, you know, almost everyone who I worked with for like my favorite seasons, like seasons two and mm-hmm. three, have gone on to become like great showrunners of their own shows and show creators. But... You know, I think what I'm surprised about is that it was a network show mm-hmm. and it felt cool. Yes. And that doesn't happen that much anymore. Right. You know, there's great network shows. Like, I, there's a couple exceptions, like Abbott Elementary, which is such a great yes. show, but they don't tend to feel cool. Yeah. And there's something about that show that feels like now, I think young people would be like, oh, that feels like a streaming show, which is why I think it made sense that it was like on Netflix that right. people saw it. And, but in terms of like how it pushed the envelope, I think it's such a great thing that a show that was like that, which really demands its audience to be sophisticated, like you'd have this guy who'd say things that were offensive, like, you know, Michael Scott and Dwight would say things to all these protected classes that would offend them. And yet you knew the audience is, who's watching it is like, knows that they're not inherently bad people. They're just flawed and you mm-hmm. can contain multitudes. And I think that shows now and um, underestimate audiences being sophisticated that they know that and so I think one of the reasons it's so popular now is it feels sort of like dangerous or like I can't believe they're saying that and 
Um, I miss that about TV. You know, I get, my shows are about a lot of like horny women who like want to have sex <laughs> and be seen and find love. So right. we get to push the envelope in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, that feels like, I hope we can get to a time where studios feel less afraid right. of that. Because the audiences, I think, are really smart. I agree. And can handle it. Yes. You, you don't watch that with Ava and you're like, okay, now we have to have a conversation about how Never. Michael Scott is a, right. someone who does microaggressions. And, like, you get it. She's smart. Right. She knows, like, she, don't be like right. him. And yeah. She doesn't even want me in the room, you know. That's so funny. We talk about The Office. We talk about Sex in the City. We talk about Friends. We talk about these shows. Seinfeld. talk about these shows that, like... They hit with people so specifically because they're, you know, based on like real situations, real life situations that are evergreen. So what I also love about all these shows is a lot of it all takes place prior to people looking at their phones and being, you know, it's all about human connection. I want to talk a little bit about, like, Legally Blonde. You have a stuff going on now. So Legally yeah. Blonde, you know, Reese, Adore Reese. We don't want any spoilers, but, like, where is, you know, yeah. L going? Like, what are you guys, what's going on there? So I love that project. Obviously, now we sort of have pencils down because yeah. of the writer's strike. But um, it's had a couple iterations over the past couple of years. Okay. And I think it's, it's, it's a challenging project because of the same reasons what makes it so great, which is, like, this is, like, Elle Woods is, like, Reese's Avenger character, and people feel so passionately about this. Like, I'm just someone who's coming in to write, co-write the third movie, and even I see how excited people are and what is Elle Woods doing in 2023-2024 when culture has changed so much since then. And so that's tricky as a writer. I bet. You know, writing something that is... Incredibly funny is a great role for Reese, but is saying something about feminism now. And mm-hmm. so we're just been trying to nail it. And she's so busy, and I'm pretty busy, but <laughs> mostly she is, and she's shooting shows and movies and everything else. So there isn't this sense from her that she's like in any way like she loves the character and wants it wants to do it if it's like exactly right. But she has no. There's not like any kind of like desperation or anxiety about getting back into the role. So it's been taking some time. I but just I love, love that you're, you're involved. I could talk to Mindy all day, but unfortunately, all meals must come to an end. I wonder what's next for her. But Mindy has another topic and one of my favorites on her mind. So as we sort of like conclude our lunch, which has been so amazing, Mindy, and I just love it. What are you, what, what's summer going to look like for you? What are, you know? What a great question. What's summer going to look like? Well, I just want to say, because you can't see this, that while Bruce was talking, I was, and I'm a power eater because I have little kids, mm-hmm. so I know how to do it fast, but I had half of the most delicious steak done medium. I don't know why I'm like, I love hearing about food. Yeah. I a ton of Tabasco sauce and French fries. Yes. And then I started off with a Caesar salad that was like one of those delicious ones that had anchovies and it was loaded with dressing. Yeah. It was so good. And a Moscow meal. Yeah. I mean, so this in is case a perfect question. And if you want to know what I had, I had grilled asparagus, a chicken breast, a salad that I didn't touch because just too busy talking and too I just time. was. But it looks delicious. I will say, I think my lunch was better than yours. I think yours was. Are you going to take that home? I mean, you kind of should. Protein is protein. I feel like I can't leave the Sunset Tower with a doggy <laughs> bag from this. I feel like it's not a good look. 
Although I would, I would do that if you weren't here. Um, um, this has been so fun. We didn't even you. talk about Andy Cohen. We didn't talk about. And Andy I got a lot Cohen. of shit to say about that you guy. Do? No, I really, I love him. I mean, he's yeah. He's I love him, and I love your guys's old friendship, your whole friendship, and I know that it's probably going to be a book or a TV show or a documentary or something one day, but. I think it's amazing to have old friends. It's like, there's not, that's not that common. No, I mean, you know, it is a bit of a Lucy Ethel sort of friendship and it is where we're just so connected and we read each other and I spoke to him before and he knows I was sitting here with you and he was super excited and, you know, you can't make old friends. And, no, you can't make old friends. you know, friends. we saw each other through our 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and parenthood, so... I mean, I think one thing that L.A. does is there's a thing that you get more successful where you start losing old friends. At least I have been guilty of this. You start losing old friends because they start to piss you off because they call you on stuff. And you're like, this is uncomfortable. I just want to be with my new friends. You don't call <laughs> me accountable. And um, so when people have old friends, yeah. it's, I think, a really good sign of your character. And him in particular... He's you know, a special guy. He's Mindy, I'd like to see more of you in Los Angeles. <laughs> LA is one of those cities where like we all have the kind of the intention, but yet for some reason it's hard. Well, I'm also an introvert too. I'm like you are. Okay, I'm well, a huge we'll, introvert. We could pull but do small. Okay. With Brian at the house. This is Brian and Andy Cullen and George Clooney. Andy Amal, Cullen like and Brian, you know, just, just a, small a small group. That's it. So if you're listening. You're more than SJP. welcome. SGP. SGP, Matthew. Wants to bring Matthew Broderick, right? that's fine. Anderson <laughs> Cooper. Okay, just a small, Jeff Bezos and Lauren Sanchez. Just right, the, you know, that exactly. group of 10. That's an easy Normal group to get people. together. Yeah, just, you know, low-key peeps. Thank you so much for pulling up a chair today. Thank everybody for pulling up a chair today. I absolutely adore you, Mindy Kaling. And this is a new beginning for us, I feel. Yes, and thank you for lunch. At least, I think I'm not paying, although I'm not sure. No, I'm picking up the check. Table for Two with Bruce Bozzi is produced by iHeartRadio, 737 Park, and Airmail. Our executive producers are Bruce Bozzi and Nathan King. Table for Two is researched and written by Bridget Arsenault. Our sound engineers are Paul Bowman and Alyssa Midgaff. Table for Two's LA production team is Danielle Romo and Lorraine Virez. Our music supervisor is Randall Poster. Our talent booking is by Jane Sarkin. Special thanks to Amy Sugarman, Uni Cher, Kevin Uvane, Bobby Bauer, Allison Cantor Graber, Barbara and Jen, and Jeff Klein, and the staff at the Tower Bar in the world famous Sunset Tower Hotel. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. 
Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.